Alright, this is Mike, and we are starting a new adventure. I'm driving in my car, and uh, you'll hear the engine noise. So basically, I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, Ansible and Dynamic inventory. In the quarter mile, turn left. Yeah, thank you, Google. I want to talk to you about dynamic inventory uh, generation and uh, what I've been working on. I'm thinking about it in my car, and I was just listening to a podcast. It was talking about. Turn left. It was talking about um, how to do uh, <coughs> online teaching. And I wanted to say, hey, well, why don't I try and teach something and uh, share some knowledge with you, my listeners. And maybe someone will benefit from it. And why not, uh, you know, why don't I have a online teaching part of this um, podcast? And... Uh, <clears throat> And this is going to get deep, but let me just start by saying that the basic idea is delivery of packets of information in the network, and that is inherently TCP IP. No matter how you package it, like almost everything is TCP IP, and that is um, the transport layer and the internet protocol, and the transport layer is basically sending data frames or packets through a packet switch network through routes and uh, no matter what your packets can get repeated they can get lost They can be resent. TCP versus UDP. TCP is guaranteed delivery. UDP is datagram or it's not um, guaranteed. But the point here is that packets can be lost. Packets can be late. They have to be reassembled. And that any voice stream that you set up is going to... uh, have some slowness in it, you're going to have some packet loss, Um, you're going to have some noise, and that that's the nature, first of all, of our experience of an online meeting. So we have streams of data that are bouncing around and jittering, Um, and then we have latency where there's a human latency in there, and I think the human latency, I think, is like 100 milliseconds or something, 300 milliseconds. But, you know, by the time you get that packet delivered and it's converted to sound or whatever, and you're interacting, then you've got to respond to it. And that takes a while. So let's just say you've got a certain speed of reaction. 30 frames a second is basically what you 
handle or 60 frames or whatever but not too much faster than that and uh, so let's just start with that as the limits of our uh, experience and then people going back and forth is going to create a feedback loop So we're going to have to actually look at the timing because in order to make music, it's questionable whether or not you're going to be able to, uh, <clears throat> it's questionable whether or not you're going to be able to uh, make the music as you want it. Uh, if you wanted to do like online music together and we forgot like geographic distances like going across intersea cables or satellite connections is also going to be slower. So the farther away the person is, light takes time. You've got copper cables or fiber cables with repeaters, and every time you have a repeater, if you've ever watched that movie, The Line or The Wire or whatever, the guy who's building the uh, Try to build a fiber cable from Kansas City to uh, New York. What the fuck is this garbage? In the middle of the road. I can't believe it. Alright, so we laid down that basic idea. Um, and uh, you've got your stream of information. So all I'm trying to say here is that. got pieces of your content, okay, you've got streams of content coming in, you get streams of content coming back, uh, what if we have multiple channels, what if, uh, you know, <clears throat> multiple endpoint devices, so that, uh, simplex and not duplex, multiple one-way channels between each other, between the people, like I subscribe to your stream and you subscribe to my stream, etc, etc, but, um, but basically what I'm trying to get at is that we also have uh, chat or text or events, right, clicks, we have all types of data that we want to record in, let's say, in an interactive classroom or a chat so that we can um, capture that and make a multimedia event stream. Okay, we kind of talked about that before, so let's just skip over that. Let's just say we have a full recording of all of the different events with all the different timestamps. Our clocks are synchronized, and uh, but we're really in the distributed uh, system systems problem, where you never know who you're dealing with all the time. You never know 
like what might be corrupted, etc., etc., etc. A lot of these distributed algorithms um, have all types of uh, handling of <coughs> faults and how they kind of move towards a stable type of a state where there's a general consensus on uh, what's happening. Alright, so now we got that established. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about a topic now. So we're gonna move between topics. So Ansible. Okay, so in Ansible you have hosts, you have groups, you have variables, and hosts are in groups and hosts have variables attached to them. Um, and depending on your type of connection, those variables are transported to the hosts for execution. And depending on uh, the children of groups, groups can have children of other groups. Well, Groups can have children groups, where one group uh, is the parent of another group. So it's kind of an inheritance. And um, so you've got a basic structure there. And uh, you can dynamically generate these groups and all that. So why is this interesting? Well. So what I've been working on is taking a list of constants and generating the target. So basically you're using combinations of, or permutations. I, I guess they're actually, I found out it's actually the term I want is combinations, not permutations. So you take combinations of um, attributes and generating the groups and virtual hosts of those. So let's just say you've got uh, two environments or three environments. You've got like development, QA, and production testing and production. So you've got four environments, let's say. Um, and you've got five applications. And uh, you've got three database, three databases. So you got these different moving parts. You want to generate the permutations between those. You can just say, hey, I want to have um, five applications. And I've got the um, four environments. So four times five is 20. So I have the uh, per combination of those two gives me 20. So a multiplication. But then I also have different tasks that I want to do for each one. Let's say I want to build the servers, I want to deploy to the servers. Um, but for the databases, I have different tasks. So depending on the... Uh, and these applications use these databases. Let's just say we've got different moving parts and different sets of these moving parts. And I want to... Um, connect them with each other. I say this application talks to this database, this application talks to this database. 
uses this database. So we've got relationships between the different parts. Okay. Like a join. So that's going to create even more combinations. And I've got also different user groups. So let's just say loosely that I have all of these different things. Um, and I want to combine them all with each other, uh, possibly. So, so this is where we get into um, doing like a loop, a loop-de-loop, -loop and generating all the different combinations or permutations of those things. Um, possibly, and uh, that produces a huge, um, a huge list. Um, but then, what I'm trying to get at here is that you can assign variables things like the environment. So you say the dev environment has this one setting, the dev environment uses this AWS account, and the production environment uses this AWS account. So you can set up a group vars in Ansible and say the dev environment uses this variable, a uh, group vars, so you create a group, you create a group called the dev environment, you create another group called the production environment, which we just mentioned, those are the different groups. And then we would say, hey, um, application A, the email server, hey, well, that's got the dev environment, so I can have the application email server in dev, so I can say application environment email dev, that is my group. And then I would have a group for that application email, and I'd put all the specifics about the emails for this applicable to all the email servers, like, oh, this is the application name is email server, and it sends and receives emails, and then the, um, so that would be in a group, email, application is email, that's the group, and the dev email server would be a child of the dev environment and a child of the email application. So you'll see that there's a parent-child relationship there. And then I would have a host called the target host or local host of dev application email. So that means in Ansible, I'll create a virtual host that targets that particular combination. Now the reason I do that is that way I can, if I'm building that application, if I have to build and provision that server, when I have the role or build role or task saying provision that server, so I can create a, t uh, a limit in my task list. I can limit the host I want to target. And if I have a host that says, "Oh, the host is um, application email server dev." But maybe I want to create a virtual host for that one particular task, which is provision. So the provision of the dev application email server, well, that 
could be targeted directly as a host. And I can attach variables to that if I need to, like specific variables. Um, and that would be a child of the dev email server. So you see I've got now three levels of um, hosts and groups. And um, now I don't necessarily need a host for the, uh, the dev environment. The dev environment is an abstract thing. It doesn't actually need a host. I only need hosts for things that I'm actually going to target work against. So those are the specific things. The specific things that would have like cloud resources attached to them or actions attached to them. Now you might say to yourself, well, hey, I don't need that role level. Um, I can use tags in Ansible and I can say target the dev environment for email server with the tag of provisioning. And yes, you can. You do not need to create a build role or a role specific virtual host. Um, but I found that to be a useful uh, thing. Um, so with tags, those those are you can have tasks that are tagged against it. So the task would be you know provision, provision that thing. Um, and also in the playbook you can also target a playbook against a certain group or a certain host <coughs> so you can say I have a playbook that's targeting you know, the provisioning of email servers and it has this task which is like create the server and that is um, targeted tagged with uh, now, what would be the advantage or disadvantage of um, using a, uh, a host for that role? Um, well, at this point, let's say you have the tasks of uh, deploying and the tasks of uh, building. They wouldn't necessarily... Uh, necessarily be an advantage to, uh, to have a role as a host. So let's scratch that for now. Um, uh, you know, but you can come up with different role, uh, the host groupings as you want. Now what I'm thinking is that I can generate this lattice. A lattice is like a crystalline structure. It starts with an empty set like all the hosts. Um, and then it expands like for each of the major attributes you have one group. So each attribute would have a grouping. Uh, let's say the application is group. Um, and each type of application a subgroup of that. So you could say target all applications, and then you could have a group for uh, environments. The environment itself could be a top-level group, and the dev environment could be underneath that, let's say. I don't know if we need that as a group. I don't know if we need to have the type of the uh, attribute as a group, or if it's enough to have it, to have the pair of uh, 
but let's just say we would iterate over all of those different permutations and create like a tree structure or a lattice crystalline structure um, that would have basically all of the, uh, the different parts. And um, you would do it level by level them with each other. You can say, okay, now the application and environment section of the lattice, combine those two. And then if you have a third uh, attribute, uh, a third combination or a fourth combination, you have different levels of combinations. Um, now, this is going to produce a huge amount of information that you may or may not need. Maybe you don't need all of these um, groups. Maybe you have some empty groups that you don't need. So once you've created this structure of highly of all these different combinations, then you'd fill out variables in those files. So the group for each group would have a unique name that represents the different uh, combined variables. You know, the dev application email server or just the dev servers, or just the email servers, right? Or um, other uh, combinations. For this user, this user would have certain user variables, this group of users would have this other group of variables. And then you could say, this group of users in this application have these uh, access, has access to these things, these actions, this action inside of that application does these tasks, right? So you could have different levels, different things that are iterated over. It's all up to you what combinations you want to have. But once we have all of those things um, generated, then you might have like one hyper-specific thing like this user doing this action in this application, in that environment, etc., 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 on that database. So something is super hyper-specific, you know, maybe you don't want that group specified. Maybe you don't want to over-specify those things. Um, then we want to cut that or prune that off. Okay, so I'm thinking that you would fill all of this out <clears throat> as you need it, and then we would have a pruning system that I'm just envisioning that would... Um, allow you to execute or select a subset of those things for execution. Because in Ansible, um, if you feed it a humongous number of groups, even if you don't use them, it's going to be slow. So really, you want to, um, in the generation of your dynamic inventory, you want to reduce your... Um, want to reduce your uh, your permutations or combinations to just the ones you're interested in and only generate those. And then you might be asking yourself, well, what if I have real hosts in, um, in AWS or whatever cloud? So there we go into the next step where we say, okay, um, the next step is we have... Uh, The next step is we have um, dynamic lookups. So we're going to look up the IP address of that host. So 
we might say we have the dev application email server we can tag those hosts using our attributes and then we can look them up and find them based upon those attributes um, and get you know the instance ID and the IP address etc to do operations on them and then we can add them dynamically to our inventory or operate upon them and that's the next level so once we have our structure of groups and virtual hosts or uh, you know target hosts we can then use that to um, to generate the next level of dynamic inventory which would be the actual concrete instantiated um, as opposed to the combinational uh, hosts so one is like your target list or your wish list or your vision of what we have based upon combinations, and the next one is our actual physical hosts. Well, not physical, or the virtual ones that are managed in the external system as opposed to ones that we declare that we want to have. Um, now, if you have a huge list of those to operate on, I'm thinking we're probably going to want to save that list or cache it. might want to split it up etc etc so once you get into huge amounts Ansible is going to also get slowed down <coughs> so we're, I'm thinking that we're probably going to want to uh, consider different possibilities to uh, do pagination or split this up so we're going to want to uh, for one generate combinations to prune those combinations to what we actually need look up hosts in uh, query hosts or join those against those combinations that we selected by basically merge that the one list of actual hosts that are provisioned with the list of um, hosts that we're targeting based on tags ideally Sure, imagine we could just store or cache this all on disk with actual hosts, um, host information, a similar structure, and then we could operate upon those. So that's kind of where I'm at uh, with my thought process, and uh, using the uh, I think it's the iter tools. There's a permutation or a combination function, and I'm using the collections, which gives you the uh, sets or uh, default dictionaries. Um, that's kind of what I'm using to create my uh, my structures. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so that's what uh, I've been working on. Um, and, uh, yeah, this was good to talk about it with uh, you, my listener, my only listener. I hope maybe someone else might listen to this one. I know some, uh, some of my computer geeks uh, might like it. And, uh, 
so let's do a brief recap. Uh, yeah, dynamic inventory um, for fun and profit. You want to uh, basically generate groups and hosts because the, the group of ours is really one of the most powerful parts of Ansible. You use group bars to um, you use group bars to uh, to organize your variables and a hierarchy of, of groups so that you don't have to repeat yourself over and over again. Yeah, and I'm thinking uh, I can use this information, this type of lattice structure of groups for the introspective project, for the tree structures and the compiler, and uh, basically represent an AST in that lattice. So you have the whole hierarchy of um, you have the whole hierarchy of types and constraints, and then basically your instances are just more and more, um, your instances are more and more specified parts of the lattice. So the difference between a type and an object becomes just what level of the crystalline structure are you in. And um, maybe that's a solution. That's a solution for uh, for the entire type system. You know, I haven't I haven't really um, thought about it this clearly in a while. Uh, but maybe using some kind of mathematical uh, set theory or lattice theory to represent the entire uh, syntax tree uh, as just part of a lattice. Maybe that makes sense. So I hope that um, I hope I can actually give this a try. In any case, uh, this might even have some uh, representation in the uh, machine learning and the uh, representation of the uh, vectors or matrices of uh, attributes. Um, what are the size of your vectors? What are the uh, shape of your vectors? Well, what if they're, what if the lattice structure of types and attributes also forms uh, the vectors of your machine learning um, algorithm? Uh, the vectors or the, the matrices are actually just. Um, sized by the lattice. I mean, maybe that's all connected. I mean, I'm not really, I have an intuition on this. I haven't really, really verbalized this idea. This is um, less, this is an intuition. But my intuition is that um, that this crystalline structure will uh, form Matrix of some kind. Uh, 
different layers with less uh, less um, redundancy. Yeah, I need to think about it. Well, let me think about that, and I'll share this with you guys. Maybe you uh, like my uh, thoughts. Maybe you want to uh, shout back at me. But I think we're going to start a more uh, in-depth learning session and knowledge sharing session. Um, I'm going to start my online school right here and right now. I've been talking about it. We're going to keep it simple for the beginning. We're just going to do, um, you know, in the old days, people would write letters to each other. And they would exchange letters and they would publish papers. Well, this is like an open letter. It's not really a paper. It's not a finished thought. It's just a hypothesis. It's less than a thought. It's less than a, uh, a thesis. It's a hypothesis or an intuition. Yeah, but I hope uh, maybe it causes an intuition in you, and maybe uh, you think it's uh, worthwhile thinking about. Um, you know who you are. Shall, shall holler back at me. See us.